What's going on, guys? You're listening to OT Exam Audio, a podcast that was created and inspired to help you learn material for the OT exam on the go. My name is Tyler Metroff, and I'm going to be covering a wide range of topics to help you feel more confident and more prepared on exam day. So let's go ahead and get started. Hey guys, last time we went over the upper extremity and some of the diagnoses that go along with that, and unfortunately I wasn't able to talk about a lot of the physical agent modalities that go along with those diagnoses, and I think that's something that's really important to discuss with the the upper extremity. So I know this wasn't one of the topics that we had on the polls, but it's just kind of something that I felt I needed to talk about after that last podcast. So I'll be sure to cover some of those other topics soon. But in the meantime, let's go ahead and jump into physical agent modalities, also known as PAMS. So first on the list, I've got cryotherapy. This could include cold packs, ice massage, cold gel, you name it. And this is primarily used for pain management, inflammation, as well as edema control. It's also been noted to do well with managing spasms when done in combination with static stretching. So some precautions and contraindications with cryotherapy would be to take great caution to ensure that their sensory is not impacted to where this would inhibit their ability to know when it has become too cold, uh, a risk of damaging the tissue, as well as, um, you know, patients with circulatory impairments or just kind of general cold sensitivity. There's a variety of different heat modalities, such as a paraffin bath, which is essentially a type of wax you dip the patient's hand in. This works great in treating chronic arthritis, increasing range of motion, and general hand impairments. Of course, you have hot packs with heat modalities which I do have to point out is not billable. I'm not sure if this would ever be a question on the test, but may be beneficial to know. And then we have flutotherapy. You may have seen these machines. They're pretty large. And how it works is through convection of corn husk or other materials to essentially warm the air around the limb that is in the machine. Some precautions and contraindications would be that you do not want to use heat with patients with blood clots or cancer. The heat increases cellular activity, which could promote the growth of cancerous cells. Flutotherapy and paraffin baths should not be performed if the individual has an open wound. And when using hot packs, ensure again the patient has sensation and the ability to let you know if the heat is too much for them. Next, we have interferential current, or IFC. This is essentially two electrical pads that work together in a way to create an interference to block pain signals. I know this is primarily used as pain management, but I've also seen where this is used to reduce muscle spasms as well. Precautions and contraindications with IFC. You don't want to intersect with the thoracic cavity. It's contraindicated if the individual is pregnant, has a pacemaker, or any other implanted electrical simulators. Use caution when the patient has obesity, impaired sensation, uh, over superficial implants, and individuals with impaired cognitive abilities. Next, we have iontophoresis. This is a continuous current that is intended to transmit ions through the skin to help expedite the healing process. 
It is also used for pain and an anti-inflammatory. The main contraindications would, with this would be using it over bruises, individuals with impaired sensation, and open wounds. Kind of a side note, most of these you just want to take into consideration, anybody that has impaired sensation. Next, we have neuromuscular electrical stimulation, or NMES. So neuromuscular electrical stimulation was meant to create a contraction in a muscle that may be weak, partially intact peripheral nerves, or even where a limb is paralyzed. This is meant to help improve functional capability in a limb with low abilities, if that makes any sense. For example, maybe you have a patient that had a stroke that does have some intact sensation and some peripheral nerves intact in the right upper extremity. You could place these electrical pads on the dorsal aspect of the forearm on top of the extensor muscles. When creating a current, that muscle contraction will bring the wrist then into extension, which will also cause a slight grasp, also known as a tenodesis grasp. If this doesn't make sense, I want you to bring your wrist into extension and watch as your fingers begin to curl under. This has to do with putting tension on your flexor tendons passively as you actively engage those extensors. If this, even if after that explanation, if it doesn't make sense, I would Google it. This is really important, especially when we are talking about spinal cord injuries, which is a topic that I want to get to here soon, but obviously we aren't going to jump into it today. And precautions, contraindications with this. You don't want to use it if the patient is pregnant, has cancer, uh, pacemaker. Again, using caution with obesity, impaired sensation, and with superficial metal implants. And note that this is not for pain management. Next, we have transcutaneous electrical nerve stimulation. These are electrical pads that are used to treat pain and assist with the healing process. I've also seen this commonly used in combination with cryotherapy at the end of a treatment session. Contraindications are the same as others that cause an electrical impulse. With the addition of making sure the patient does not have a condition of having seizures, as this has a potential to trigger a seizure due to sending out deep pulses of electrical current, which can trigger this condition. Last but not least, we have ultrasound. This is used for pain management and used to assist with the healing process again. And this is done through emitting sound waves uh, onto the tissue. Most ultrasound machines also create a thermal effect, but I believe in some of the newer models, they have the ability to be non-thermal. The idea behind this is to increase blood flow and cavitation, which is supposed to assist in tissue recovery. And precautions and contraindications with this would be, as most of the others, impaired sensation, pregnancy, cancer, over new growth plates, over fractures, and metal plates. There's a little bit of controversy over the whole fracture thing. And I, I don't understand why. Because if you think about it, why would you want to send sound waves over a fracture. All you're going to do is increase the pain, so it's kind of the exact opposite of what you're going to do. But 
anyway, the research is out there. It's something I would recommend you looking into as well as uh, the clinic that you work at and their policies. So guys, I, I know that this is, again, a, a shorter podcast, but I wanted to kind of add on to the last one and make sure that I cover this material because I feel it's important. I think it's also important to maybe pull up images of what I've talked about because some of these are very similar, especially when we're talking about a lot of the ones that cause electrical uh, impulses, such as the interferential current or the neuromuscular electrical stimulation. Sometimes it's nice being able to kind of have a visual of what I'm actually talking about, especially when a lot of these are kind of similar in regards to how they work, but have different functions. Also, I wanted to note that it's really important if you're going to use a physical agent modality that it must be beneficial for treatment. What I mean by this is that we cannot just do ultrasound on a patient and call it good. It has to be used in combination with therapy to assist in improving overall functional activity or capacity. For example, heat increases pliability in blood circulation to facilitate greater range of motion when working with a patient that maybe just had some kind of wrist surgery, right? So you're you're working on increasing that range of motion for them to be able to functionally grasp maybe an object or for them to be able to pick up a pencil. So especially when you're doing documentation, you have to talk about how that physical agent modality assisted in your treatment to improve the patient's overall functional capacity. So that's really all that I have on this topic, guys. Again, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast, and I hope it was beneficial for you. Enjoy the rest of your day.